Welcome to the Mad Made a Difference podcast. I'm Barnaby Parker. We created this show to explore and unravel some of the mysteries surrounding today's leaders. We hope through direct and insightful interviews with today's future leaders and shakers, we're going to learn about different approaches to leadership and building businesses. We'll be exploring the pitfalls along the way and helping you navigate the paths to success. Whether you're a current or aspiring leader, an entrepreneur, professional or student exploring career options, we hope you gain some helpful insights and enjoy the show. Today, I'm with Darren Sharp, who is the Group Head of IT at Tokyo Marine Kiln. Hi, Darren. How are you? Hey, I'm very good. Thank you. You're looking sharp. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So... We're um, we're not quite post COVID, are we? But it's been a, a funny, strange few months. How's, the tre- how's lockdown treated you? Uh, I think it's. it's uh, I'm sure everyone says it's been an interesting time. Um, I think the first few weeks uh, as an IT leader were particularly challenging. Um, we were quite fortunate. We have a, a Citrix environment, so our our systems were set up for remote working quite nicely. But we didn't have uh, things like Microsoft Teams um, from day one. We were planning to roll out uh, in the future. So we accelerated a lot of that work uh, in the early days. Uh, personally, I was quite fortunate. I had some space um, to, to work. Uh, but actually, I didn't see my children for seven weeks of lockdown um, because they're, you know, they're, with, uh, they're with their mother, we're not together, and they couldn't travel. So it's, you know, on from a personal perspective, it's been quite challenging as well as a, a work perspective. And are you are you now a hero across Tokyo Marine Kiln? <laughs> uh, certainly had a more kudos in the last few weeks than the last few years. Yeah, lots lots of mentions uh, from all sorts of people, particularly the CEO. Um, uh, so so yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it was a time to step up to the plate, and uh, and thankfully I've got a brilliant team. Uh, and several years of hard work building that team. So uh, it all paid off, yeah. Yeah, it's been really good, actually. And in terms of timing, I mean, you know, there's no perhaps perfect timing for COVID to strike, but the timing was all right for you, was it? Yeah, it was. It was. I say, you know, our, our, our core environment was very robust. So about five years ago, we put in place an annual essential maintenance program to make sure we weren't building up any IT debt, uh, be that systems that weren't supported or be that, you know, struggling with capacity. And so we, we, were, we were confident that we would do well. Uh, that was put to the test with an, an all-company work-from-home day uh, on Friday the 13th, actually, of March. <laughs> uh, and, and I spent that day at home, you know, fingers crossed and hoping everything would be fine, my team monitoring everything. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, everything went well. And then that gave us the, the platform then to be able to say, okay, the kind of the Core stuff works, everyone can log in, everyone's getting on with their job. Now, what can we do to accelerate working differently? So that, that's, that's what we've been doing for the last few weeks, frankly. And are you a different person? Uh, am I a different person? I'm probably a little bit more relaxed, funny enough, yeah, strangely. Um, you know, you've got to be fairly resilient to do this job anyway, right? Because it changes so often. But um, I, use the, I use the time to um, spend a, a, try and prove that balance of life a bit. Um, uh, my partner and I said, let's just get up as if it's a normal day and go for a walk. So we normally walk into the office. We'll just go for a walk in the hills. 
and uh, and it did that not not every day but most days and thankfully we had some glorious weather as well uh, hence a bit more of a tan and um, <laughs> yeah even last month uh, I think we walked 250 miles uh, wow. in June which is kind of crazy right um, but I feel much better much fitter um, and it, it really set me up for the day some days like Sunday morning we were out before six in the morning thinking are we crazy people uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah really enjoyed that and uh, I'm definitely going to be doing a lot a lot more of that which is good I um I, I took myself off on a Wednesday took the train from Kensington to, to Guildford with a backpack a tent and a sleeping bag nice. and a stove and I walked from Guildford to Canterbury excellent about a month ago in a sort of lock, lockdown something escape <laughs> God, good, good for you well so so i've got a house near the, in the, near the south downs and as a as, a, as a, a young teenage kid i used to walk the south downs do the south downs way so this was a kind of a bit of a throwback uh, I went where, to, um, where's your where and where in the south downs uh so i i have a house in a village called hurstbury point okay um so if you look on a map it's kind of almost directly north of brighton but the other side of the downs yeah uh, so, I'm very lucky to be able to be based there during the last few weeks because yep. uh, lots of fresh air and actually very very low COVID nineteen infection rates as well. So we've been very fortunate. That's where um, I, I grew up around there. Really, south, south of Petworth on the South Downs. Oh, fantastic! You probably well, walked past. It's uh, it's a lovely. By the way, I I grew up in Brighton, so I used nice to cycle out Brighton and cycle through the Downs and then walk along the Downs and yeah. So it's, it was quite quite nostalgic at first, and then just thought I could just do this more often. Why not? <laughs> I'm rather envious yeah. of your lockdown. My lockdown in Kensington hasn't been quite the um. Cyclone. Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> we certainly. I mean, my my broader team has been a challenge. You know, some people have had uh, have had some real challenges, both in terms of either lack of space or or just mental health, actually. So um, my role as a leader it kind of changed quite a bit in those first few days. You're always becoming a I was going to ask how, how do you measure, how do you monitor mental health across your team? It's, it's it's hard, right? It's really subjective. It's it's something that you can often pick up through through body language and other cues, and they're things that you're you're not you're not getting remotely. And so you're having to rely on your your broader team network. Uh, we're fortunate that you know, we do have a good team and a, and, a, and a very low turnover rate. So a lot of people have been around for for a while and people know them as individuals uh, and you know i've got to know them so they can sense if there's a different you know a tone in their voice etc uh equally you know i've had at least one of my team just come to me and say i'm really struggling yeah you know what do i what do i do um you know and that's it's bad because they're they're struggling but it's great to know that they feel comfortable enough that they can they can raise that because then i can i can do something about it quicker and is that being comfortable enough a, a tribute to you or the organisation or, or, or something um, else? Uh, I probably, I'm not very good at blowing my own trumpet, but I would probably <laughs> say a, bit, a tribute to me. I'm, I'm a, my, my, uh, my approach is very open and honest uh, with the team. And I've been here, actually I've been here seven years. It was seven years last week, crazily enough. Um, but I've, I've got a, a very open uh, leadership style. And uh, no, no one's afraid to come forward with anything, frankly. So, <laughs> you know, the more the, the more I know, the more likely I, I am to be able to kind of help, yeah, or solve the problem. So, uh, so yeah, but that's nice. It, it is nice that people feel comfortable to open up. Um, and you know, we we did some structured stuff. You know, we uh, we said let's do a virtual pub, like I'm sure many people did. 
but we did a quiz to name the pub. And what was nice is you had like 80 or 90% of the team you know, coming up with name and voting for their favorite name. And then you know, the, the team's only about 60 people, but I had 48 on the opening night and we called it the remote in. Then you'll uh, get, out of, get, in, get in trouble. You have to send anyone home. Or, or mute <laughs> no, them, I guess, is that. Well, this is it, yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, everyone, everyone, was, um, everyone was going quite funny on the call. And in fact, we've, we've recruited quite a few people during lockdown. Right. Uh, and a lot of people have struggled to recruit, but we have recruited a few. And uh, there was a chap uh, joined our information security team and uh, he asked if he could come along to one of the remote in uh, sessions while he was waiting to join us. Uh, and I don't know if you ever saw Tiger King, that Netflix. The I Netflix saw a few of them. Yeah. So that had just come out, and I, I, I'd been like, "What on earth this thing?" So of course, younger members of my team were telling me all about it. And then, in a, in a fit of either genius or stupidity, I decided we should we should kind of dress up in a Tiger King themed pub. Uh, and, the, and this new chap came along. And uh, I have to say, he still joined us somehow. Uh, <laughs> and if you can imagine me in a mullet wig and uh, <laughs> a tiger outfit, then uh, yeah. So yeah, everyone had lots of fun as well as... Uh... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've seen that posted on social media. No, you won't. <laughs> no, my team are really good. I'm sure loads of them have got lots of screenshots, which I'm sure will be worth quite a lot to them if they want to get something out of me. But yeah. It's very strange, actually. I don't seem to have seen any um, Tokyo Marine Kiln requirements on the um, Venkris list either. I don't know what's been going on there, Darren. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, insurance has, has, has been going through quite a lot of change, I mean, mm. even pre, pre the last few months. What, 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 sort of, um, what sort of projects have you had on the go at Tokyo Marine Kiln and, <clears throat> and, and how has that, and yeah. have, you, have you ripped up your, your plan and are you starting again? Uh, so we were going through a lot of change anyway, I mean, to your, to your point. So, um, I mean, that's just the, the change being PPL, um, uh, AI, even, AI even, bigger, a... no, even bigger than that. So for, for okay. us, so we had a, 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 Lloyd, a Lloyd's business and a company business. Right. Um, and we took a decision last summer, actually after Brexit. So part of Brexit, we moved some of our business away uh, to another part of the, the group. Uh, which made far more sense for them to run it. Uh, and then last summer, we, we took a decision to put our company platform into what's called Runoff. Uh, so we've not, you know, not accepting any new business for it. Uh, struggled with profitability on, on that side of the business. Uh, and that, that's changed the whole shape of the business. Um, but of course, from a, from a technology perspective, I'm, I've still got all those systems. I'm still, I'm still carrying some depreciation. I'm still running... Uh, some of those services and, and runoff can last for years. Um, so now my challenge is, well, how do we, how do we optimize what, what's left from a technology platform to service the new business going forward while still meeting all of our regulatory obligations for, for this business that we've decided we don't want to do anymore. So that, that was already challenging to, to, to say the least. Um, we had decided that we would also reduce our London uh, office footprint even before COVID-19 right. um, so we were we were in the middle of rebuilt redoing this building <laughs> uh, to, to sublet a floor um, and my team were going to move out and work elsewhere in London and in fact on the back of this we've now managed to properly introduce flexible working which we've been talking about for six seven years we, we have the same at Vanquist yeah, yeah. we haven't I'm sitting in our office on Fleet Street it's normally a 60 person office you can probably see it's fairly empty <laughs> 
yeah. three, of us, yeah. three of us in here today. We've been trying to have work from anywhere, and yeah. now we have work from anywhere. Yeah, work from anywhere, and uh, my, my, one of my favourite phrases, which um, people are starting to pick up on, which is outcomes, not hours. You know, right. so when, when people are working at home, you know, I've got people with very young children, and I'm like, well, why, why are you working in this like this beautiful time slot where you could spend loads of time with them? So don't do any work then. <laughs> you know, work at another time. And I don't really care if you if you take five hours to do your day or ten hours to do your day, whatever it is. I'm not interested in those hours. You know, you know what your objectives are. You know what the outcomes are. Do do what works, right? So, and that's been great. Outcome orientated is is a, is a very compelling, mm. it's a very compelling case for outcome orientated. But do you think it'll stick? Uh, well, it's it's been kind of my mantra here in IT at least for for several years. Uh, and we we've operated. So when I when I joined here, I hadn't had a desk for seven years. So when they said, "Here's your desk and all the space," I'm like, well, "I don't understand this." So i had been pretty peripatetic. I'd used the equivalent of Microsoft Teams from ten years ago, you know, when it was in its infancy. So I was very used to this and just working anywhere and making the best use of space. And if people had a dentist appointment, I you know, in the middle of the morning, I wouldn't say, "Drag yourself into London after your dentist appointment." What's the point in that? <laughs> You know, so they, you know, they said, "Oh, can I take a day off for my appointment?" I'm like, "No, you can just work at home, go to your appointment, and then come back and work." And that, uh, you know, if you give that flexibility, then you you get it back in spades. You know, it absolutely pays for itself. So, uh, so for us, I think it will for IT will definitely stick. I think for some other areas of business who aren't so used to working that way, they're going to have to go do that change curve. You know, they're going to have to start to understand that you. You pay, pe- you, you pay people to do a job and you need to trust people to do a job and trust doesn't come from seeing that seeing they're at their desk. Does, that doesn't mean they're any more effective than being at home, you know, but that, that, but that takes time to build. It does take time. The, the um, limitations are, they're not technology limitations, are they? They're cultural mm. and completely leadership. Cu- completely cultural. Um, I mean, <laughs> if you look at some of the tech though that we've, I've just rolled out in the last few weeks, that it's not new tech. Really, I mean, the team's thing is relatively new, but things like e-signatures, I mean, for years, the team, the compliance and legal team said, we can't use them. And there was never a compelling reason why they couldn't, other than it was a change. Uh, You know, in the first week, we we gave it to everyone. (laughs) Um, You know, and now we've got the same, well, why didn't we use this before? And you go, well, kind of did say, yeah. And so it isn't, you're right, it isn't technology. As long as someone's got a reasonable broadband connection, you 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 can deal with all the tech. It, it's absolutely about changing mindset, and if you if you haven't if you haven't worked in another environment, that's quite difficult because you've got no frame of reference. Uh, and I'm quite fortunate; my my entire leadership team are actually not from insurance, so we've all got different backgrounds and we've all done different things and different experiences, and it's very good to bounce ideas from each other. Uh, and so many people ask the why question, and not enough people ask the why question. But you're so, Darren, you're a, a a forthright, innovative leader, and you're working for a big Japanese organization in an mm. industry which is, I wouldn't describe it perhaps as the dark ages because too many of my clients might be listening, but it's <laughs> it's it's perhaps not been up there with the, the, the fastest forward thinking of industries yes. until perhaps the last few months. So you're coming across a little bit as a, as a kind of, you know, you're someone that's suddenly been freed, allowed to do things. Everything's been... You know, the, the raison d'etre yeah. has been, been there, proven there, there is you. a feeling of uh, liberation in a way, yeah. I mean, the team are hugely motivated. Um, 
you know, and it, it does feel like the penny's dropped, which is which is frustrating because, you know, there were what felt to be some very obvious things you could do. Uh, and there were too many people saying, well, we can't do it unless the whole market does it. You know, you know, you know the constructive lawyers. Yeah, of course. Uh, and you know how difficult, um, you know, things like PPL had been. You know, for, for us, it was like, well, we can't make the brokers use it, so therefore we won't try. <laughs> so rather than everyone getting together to say, how could this benefit us all? Um, they, everyone was waiting for someone else to lead. And of course, if you do that, you're just going to wait. Um, so that's that's been frustrating. Yes. But it does feel like now, it's about, it, it was probably do or die a while ago, but now it really is, really is do or die. And we proved that you don't necessarily need the Lloyd's box. We've proved you can use technology now. You know, so let's take away some of these barriers and let's take away some of these kind of myths, if you like, and, and try, try, and, try and turn this market into, you're not going to turn into the retail market because it's a different volume game. But all the reasons that people said that they couldn't, they couldn't change with tech, you can now get rid of a lot of those. And what, what do you think the future is for Lloyd's? I think the future for Lloyd's, I mean, it's got to, um, it's got to get its, its act right in terms of this future at Lloyd's piece. Um, you know, John Neal's come up with a range of, a range of things which have been mooted as, you know, these are the art of the possible, and, and some will, I think some will fizzle away, uh, and some will succeed. And that's, that's an okay strategy, uh, as long as enough things succeed to make a, a difference. You don't want everything to fizzle away, or people to start to get a bit jaded that there's no progress. So I think it needs to it needs to make sure it executes on its ideas better than it has done in the past. Um, but it can't do that on its own. If if the likes of my organisation and the broker broker organisations don't want it to succeed, then it won't. Um, you know. And then if 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 it goes as a as a market, well, then we're all gone. <laughs> so everyone needs to realise that you know that everyone's got skin in the game here. And and the, to to your point earlier, you know. It was stuck in the dark ages for a long time, but that just means there's loads of opportunity to, to make change. You know, if you turn up somewhere and it's running almost optimal efficiency and you still need to make savings and you're still struggling to make profit, that's, that's a bigger challenge than taking something where there's some blinding, obviously expensive things that you could change straight away. So, Darren, are you... Um, just going to be a bit bolder and take a few more risks. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they... What, what, what sort of... Um... Do you think they will be bolder and take and take more risks? Uh, I I think some people will. I think possibly those that don't might not survive. And Lloyd's is being far tougher. Yeah. Uh, so it's about to start. It's you know round two of decile ten, if you know, to culling the culling those that aren't performing well in the market. And thankfully, we were the best performing uh, syndicate last year, over half a half a, uh, a billion dollars. So um, you know, so that that puts us in good stead. We've got a new executive team, um, and you know the CIO says we need to be bold and take more risks, um, and that's calculated risk. That doesn't mean stop doing what we're told. That means, oh, you know, that means, um, yeah, stop being quite so timid. I mean, I think uh, probably speaking out of school here, but you know, make no apology about it. A lot of people have been uh, too too scared of people like the regulators to when they say do something to say, well, why? You know, what's what risk are we reducing by doing this or what value are we gaining by doing this or is this proportionate to you know what's happening in other sectors i think 
historically people have gone, I better do that because the regulator has got, you know, ultimately can, can cause us to be, to be shut down. Um, but I think there needs to be some healthy challenge to some of those things to say the regulator's there to help the market run and with their appropriate controls. And we should be helping them to understand what those appropriate controls are. As, a, as an organization. And what other industries are you drawing inspiration from? Well, so, you know, there's a lot of people who hark back to the banking industry uh, and, and how they respond is, uh, and rightly so. I mean, you know, there was, there was plenty of practice that needed to be changed, right? I'm not saying that. Um, but I, I think the way certainly us as an organization handled that request from the regulator probably cost us a lot of money and a lot of opportunity. You know, you know, people don't often cost up time, you know, and <laughs> so often I'm in meetings and they go, well, there's no third party cost involved, but yeah, you can spend two years, you know, distracting yourself by doing nothing to do with business growth and just dealing with this kind of chat regulatory challenge, which needs to be dealt with, but you need to understand the opportunity cost associated with that. And I think that's, that's what people are starting to learn um, and, you know, move to position a bit like some of the IT service, what's good enough? I'll do this. This isn't a differentiator. This is good enough. I will then focus, you know, my energies over here with the customer or over here with my growth strategy, you know, where I can actually get some return for that. Yeah. And that, and the return is good for the customer and good for us and therefore good for the market. So actually it's the right thing to do. And, and what about some of the Silicon Valley firms or the big tech? You look at them in awe or fear or what's, how do you approach that? <laughs> It's a, it's a challenging one, really. I mean, as, a, as an organization, Tokyo Marine has invested in, in some, some startups, but a lot of that is around the retail space. So Tokyo Marine itself in Japan is very retail focused, a lot of motor, a lot of life, and insurance. And, you know, and their industries, I think, are going to change hugely, particularly around motor. Um, so, that, so they're looking at those. From a, from a specialist insurance perspective, uh, yeah, you know, is a Google algorithm or an Amazon algorithm going to come along and say, who needs underwriters anymore? Possibly. <laughs> you know, does, does the underwriter of the future need to be more about relationship management and portfolio management? That's probably a conversation for another day. But, you know, I, I, I think gone will be the days where you rely on an individual's intellect in order to price an individual risk. If you so I think that's the office here, Darren, can you hear them? <laughs> I can I, I can just about hear. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, Dogs in the office is great. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's an empty office. They're chasing around. It's changed the dynamic a bit, but then office, you know, something doesn't change in COVID. One, we've got it wrong, haven't we? Um, <laughs> exactly. So, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm also. What do you think, twenty-year-old Darren Sharp would um would would think of of the man you are today? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, did 20-year-old Darren Sharp think he'd be sat here talking to you? Probably not. <laughs> of course so. Uh, sat, sat, sat in the walkie-talkie, you know, heading up like, you know, global tech for a financial services company? Probably not, no. 20-year-old uh, Darren Sharp was um, partway through a, a, a chemistry degree thinking, why did I pick chemistry? Uh, so, yeah, 20-year-old Darren Sharp probably didn't know what he wanted to get into. Um, but I was always I was always heavily involved in, in computers in one shape or form. So uh, I guess I'm probably not too surprised with that. Are you a programmer? I'm not a programmer. No. Um, so the closest I got to programming was my mum buying me, you know, a computer magazine and typing typing in the code into my 
Um, not even my, not even my um, Commodore 64, my VIC-20. So that's showing my age, right? If you, look, you might need to Google a VIC-20. I'm going to have to Google a VIC-20. You're going to have to. It I'm delighted like to say. A crap version of a Commodore 64. <laughs> right. ZX81, um, I think, was mine. Well, it was around that time. Yes, yeah, it was okay. absolutely around that time. Um, so, no, so I, I, no, I, I didn't come up through programming or software development. I actually, um, I, I did some programming at university, just alongside maths and everything else. Um, and then I went into the service industry and then kind of fell into IT. And it, I came through the IT service management route. So I'm, a, I, I'm an ITIL expert and spend a lot of my time building the service teams and understanding business demand, um, translating technology uh, into something the business could understand here, yeah. which is probably why I'm sat here, I suspect. And how, would you say, that on that. how would you say technology leadership has, has changed? If uh, it has changed? I, I, it's, it's certainly changed in this market. I mean, it meant, when I joined, many of the kind of CIOs or heads were basically the person who knew the application that had been built, right? And they knew it better than anyone else, so they ended up becoming the head. Um, and in fact, we still have one of those chaps. You know, he's, and he's a, he's a lovely guy, and he, and, and he works for, he works for, for me. Um, I, I think as time has gone on, people expect technology to work, right? So back in the day, you know, when I, when I started doing the service management, I'd say, right, the text has got to work like your phone. You know, you're home, you pick your phone up, and it works most of the time, right? Yes. People need people need that now. The iPhone came along, you know, the, the core tech has to just do what it's meant to do. Um, so the, the, the IT guy can't be the guy that somehow just keeps the lights going, somehow backs up our data, you know. They're, they're just givens now, complete givens. It's how can technology help us make a difference? You know, what, how can it give us some kind of competitive edge? Whether that's we're cheaper, whether that's we've got more data, uh, whether that's the systems are supremely reliable and you know means we can crack on they're so fast and do anything we want at lightning speed so it's you know this whole idea of non getting what the business wants and then trying to align it to it seems to have gone as well because you can't do anything without tech yep. i mean you know every single project every single project has a technology um component to it uh, and i guess my job is firstly to understand how all that knits together make sure i'm delivering it at the right the right kind of price point but i also understand that how it all connects together because so often in the past individual business units uh, with all good intention would go off and say I, I need a pricing solution so you go and buy didn't talk to anything else you still have someone manually keying the data into you know some kind of downstream system yeah um, and now the job is to make all of that flow and ideally all of that flow automatically um, so you're spending all you're spending your effort on dealing with the outcome rather than, you know, getting all the machinery in place, yeah. You're, um, so is, is future scanning part of your role? Are you, are you spending your holidays in, uh, in Silicon Valley or? No, no, not, not me. I'm feeling a bit old for that. Um, probably in the area of information security is probably where we do most future scanning just because it's such a big threat. Um, and, yep. You know, our, our head office are, are, are rightly, that's probably their biggest concern, cyber attack. We've got a ton of customer data. Um, yeah, we can live off our reputation as well. And there's huge amounts of fines. So around the security space, yes. I mean, I probably know more about that than, than many of the other areas now. And that wasn't, that wasn't a core strength of mine before taking this role because at the time it wasn't so prevalent. Um, 
In terms of other tech, yeah, we've gone through a lot of the hype cycles. I mean, you know, I've been from the in the corridor, a CEO saying, "Why, where, where's our blockchain? Why have we not got one?" You know? uh, and there's a danger you can get drawn completely into that. What's coming you, in the future? Do you have a blockchain? Uh, we don't. We don't use blockchain. No. Uh, we have How done very one grown up of you. Yes, we've done. Turkey Marine itself has done one trial uh, for, for for letters of credit for cargo business. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit like you know, buying a hammer and then running around trying to find find, find a nail to hit with it. Yeah. Um, so no, I, th I think right now there's there's a lot you can do with, frankly, mature and relatively cheap technology. Um, saying that, I've just established uh, an RPA and low-code platform service so that we can start to tackle the, 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 the cost efficiencies and the workflow stuff. So um, I guess a bit of both in summary. There aren't, um, you, you haven't replaced the brokers with robots yet? Not yet, not yet, but I could. <laughs> That's probably quite tempting, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I don't know, is the, um, is the lamb open nowadays? Uh, the lamb isn't, but I, I went out to get a sandwich. So yeah, Pret's open around the corner. The grapes is open, if you know the grapes on Lime Street. Yep. Uh, but the lamb is the lamb is not. Uh, and in fact, if we have this fire alarm goes off, I'm meant to I'm meant to muster outside the lamb, but we've been told that we must go home instead. So. <laughs> right. And what um and Darren, what what does the future hold? Uh, for me or TMK or both? Oh, well, a bit well, of both. I'll, I'll take over the world here. Now, I think, I think what's, what, what I'm seeing happening is different conversations. So uh, I'm having conversations with the, the, the CFO, my boss, the deputy CEO, which I probably wouldn't have had even six months ago. Because your star has risen. Well, because my, my star, I think my star has risen, but there's also just a broader acceptance that if we're, if we're going to create a TMK of the future, technology is at the heart whether I'm any good or not, right? You know, technology is at the heart. So yep. those conversations have to have to happen more. Um, and that's encouraging to see. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I've got, I've got, I've got meetings in the diary that I probably tried for years to get in the diary and, you know, no interest before. Yeah. Now suddenly there's interest, you know, which brings pressure with it. You've got to deliver, right? But that's, that's what I'm being paid to do. And that's what the team is for. So how, how will you, um, I mean, if, how will you leverage this great power of yours, Darren? Uh, so I guess, I guess in simple terms, it, it, it's getting the ear of, of the strategic decision makers. And they've, they've changed as well, which is it actually is quite helpful. And in fact, we just had a new chief underwriting officer join uh, on May the 4th, so Star Wars Day. I remember that day very well. Um, you know, so so it's, a, it's, a great, it's a really good time, relatively new exec. New CEO started in January. I had a new boss in October. You know, IT is recognised through this period of basically keeping the company running. It's like so this, the stars have aligned for want of yep. a less twee phrase um, to say, okay, get me more involved in this now. Um, now is and the I, time. And I, and I can be, and I guess I can be bolder with those conversations to say, you need me to be involved in these conversations about the future, um, rather than you know wait to be asked. So a so new. Tech, new technology investment plan coming out shortly. Yeah, we have investment, and it's now it's is it in, is it in the right areas? Yes. That's I guess that that that's the thing we've got to look at. But do, I mean, do you think that you will be there? There are projects, programs that you've been working on that 
are now will now be discarded or um, how much no. of a change of direction are you going to have? No, we, we, we've been through our whole portfolio and almost nothing's been put on hold. Right. Um, but I think, again, pre-COVID, we, we'd already tried to set our stall out for the next two years about how to become a, a better company, frankly. Yep. Um, so if we'd have had to throw all that in the bin, then really we'd have cocked up before COVID came along. <laughs> Uh, I think I think the key thing is to look at the way that some of those projects might have been approached in previous years. So, you know, an upgrade of a policy admin system in years gone by would have taken 18 months and there have been all these must-have requirements. You know, a policy admin system doesn't doesn't give you any competitive advantage, right? So you need to be able to say, I'm just going to take it and I'm just going to do what it does because that's, that's what I bought it for. Um, and we're starting to see that message be received um, with less resistance than it would have been in the past. And, and that's great because you can just do that and then go, right, well, the, the, the way you get some competitive advantage is by having this this larger information set that you never had before. Great, well, we'll build that for you instead, you know, with the money and the time we've saved by not bespoking our policy admin system. So that's how we've got to do it. Well, that was Darren Sharp, Group Head of IT at Tokyo Marine Kiln. I love the idea, outcomes, not ours. I'm sure I won't be alone. Um, thank you, Darren, and stay on the line, everyone, for a little word from our sponsor. Our podcast is sponsored by Venquis, a tech-driven, team-powered and transparent recruitment firm that get the people you need quickly and efficiently. Venquis delivers to your requirements. You can find out more at www.venquis.com.